Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to The Jarek Show. I, as always, as always, am Javad Malik, and alongside me is Mr. Eric Krohn. This is take two, actually. We, we started recording, and then we got halfway through, and then Eric said, Javad, did you hit the record button or go live button? Yeah, I didn't. You know what I really like about this, Javad, is how you made that into a we thing. <laughs> but, you know, this is us, right? Timely topics, poorly presented. <laughs> Here we are. So howdy there, Javad. Welcome to our show again. Let's just run through this one one more time. You know what it is? There's When people are stressed, uh, they tend to make mistakes. And uh, we, you know, uh, there's a story about this. Uh, why don't you t tell us about it? Yeah, how perfect is that, right? Um, so this story, I thought it was interesting. Four, four in 10 data breaches have stress employees behind it. And, you know, I don't know if you noticed, there's a global pandemic going on. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. People are working from home. They got their dogs, their kids, their cats, all kinds of stuff running around. It is very stressful right now. And I even saw a story earlier, and it was either 40 or 44% um, increase in work-related burnout this year. And a lot of that is because we can't separate it out. Now, this story talks a bit about like the outbound stuff. So people are making mistakes and putting stuff in emails that they shouldn't be putting in emails or sending information to the wrong people, right? Have you ever gotten an email that had something that was kind of a little, um, uh, you know, suspect or, or maybe even a little bit personal that was meant to go to someone else? I mean, I think we've all kind of had that happen, but that's on the rise right now. And obviously that can be a big issue. So certainly stress is playing a part in a lot of our lives right now. It is indeed. It is indeed. So um, just moving on, a uh, um, news story that states the bleeding obvious. Uh, it is uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and phishing attacks are surging ahead of these. It happens every year. Anytime there's a, a major event, there's a holiday, there's some sales going on, there's natural disaster, whatever, you see people jump on the bandwagon and they just take them uh, to the extreme. So whichever I think vendor, whoever's got a lab, whoever's observing these trends, they will tell you that there's a massive surge. So the important thing is people need to be wary. If a deal seems too good to be true, it usually is. Um, so try to stick to reputable websites, that ones that you know of, buy some trusted brands, uh, don't divulge unnecessary information that you don't need to, all the, all the regular good stuff, but it's just a good reminder. Um, but having said that, not everything is uh, old. There is some shiny hotness as well. Eric, you saw this uh, new type of, um, of phishing scam. What, what's that all about? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting, right? So we've all gone to the websites and they pop up and say, hey, will you allow notifications, right? And and of course, if you don't know better, people just go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people don't realize what the notifications can do. And that is, it does more than just pop up things in your browser, right? So like on Windows, you have the little thing down on the right-hand side that pops up. They can actually push notifications to your desktop through that kind of stuff, right? Through that notification section there when you allow that. But What's been happening apparently is we're seeing some malvertising stuff or other sorts of click campaigns go through there and possibly even scripts and things like that. So they're sending links, they're doing all this through that little area. So I think it's interesting because this comes back to, you know, we talk a lot about culture and we talk a lot about the human side, but teaching people not to just click on things that they don't really understand 
is absolutely vital and important. And I think it's a key thing that we have to deal with. And that kind of leads us to our, our, our next guest here, which is why we're wearing what we are, right? This is the most yes. American thing I can think of. And and what are you What are you uh, in there, Javad? It's, it's more of a Pakistani outfit uh, that I'm wearing right here. But um, yes, um, as you'll see, our guest today, it, I, I'm so excited to be speaking to him. I'm so honored that he, he's agreed to join us despite me not even sending him an invite for this and expecting him to turn up. So, stress. stress. Um, but, you know, he is one of the most colourful and authentic people uh, we've had the pleasure of meeting in a long time. Someone that's done uh, and well, he's doing a great deal for security culture, inclusiveness, creating safe spaces, and more importantly, uh, growing together. So um, please give a warm Jerick show welcome to Mr. Mark Shawa, aka the African. <laughs> hey. hey guys, how you doing? Welcome, Mark. Yeah, welcome. I was tempted to start with the Lion King, and then I'm like, this might not work out so well. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Like, what, would be the, what would be the one song that I think the whole world would know, and it's just gone with something like Lion King? You know, because we probably got it in every country in multiple languages. But yeah. Uh, so thanks for guys for having me in the show. It's it's I, I was wondering, you know, I was thinking maybe it's gonna become the Jerry Can show, but you know, I guess I can't get take over. <laughs> well we'll see how it goes. If Javad uh, if Javad doesn't get better about sending out invites and stuff like that, we may be auditioning. Who knows how this is gonna go, right? This, um, exactly. I, I agree. You know, look, it's like in baseball, you know, you got three strikes, strike one. Um let's see how it goes for the next two strikes. Yep. I, I did an episode a long time ago without him, and I replaced him with a rock. And honestly, I think it was one of the best episodes we've done. Um, <laughs> it was a photo of a rock, even. And oh, so, uh, a rock, not no, the rock. I was good about. I was like, how did you get Dwayne Johnson? No, 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 not him, <laughs> not him. Um, it was just one of the times he couldn't be bothered to show up for the show. So, uh, anyways, so you know, Mark, we met through um, one of the the recent conferences uh, where we yeah. kind of spoke, and we, we saw you speak, and I think you even said it may have been like your first time speaking at one of those things, which I thought was amazing because yes. you did such a great job. So it really was. Um, oh yeah, that, that, that's my website. It looks so cool. Oh my goodness, it looks like this when I see it. Oh, look at you. <laughs> so yeah, truth is, it it really was. So the Africa. Um, Cybersecurity Culture Conference um, that was held, I think, last week. It actually was my first time speaking at a, such a, a conference. Um, I've always wanted to speak, like I've always told myself I'm going to be in a TED talk or something like that. But it was really the first time, and you know it's tricky, not knowing how the audience actually responds. So you literally are talking to yourself and hoping that people are receiving the message. And you know, like. You know, Central African time, because right now I'm in Cape Town, um, even though I'm born from Zambia, it's it's like that was lunchtime. And if you want to know anything about South Africans and lunchtime, you don't come in between them. You don't, <laughs> don't, don't okay. ever. All systems go offline during that time. You rock up between 12 and, and 2 p.m. to just try and get paperwork done, they'll be like, no, the system's offline as they have their food. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Apparently that's, what happens, apparently, that's what happens to aeroplanes coming to land at that time. They get an automated response. Yeah, you go back. <laughs> yeah. No, you go back. Yeah, so like, cool. no, no, no. so cool. the guy who's doing this. Yeah. He's like, no. 
And they're like, what does that mean? Does it land? Like, no, 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 go back. So I, I thought um, your talk was really interesting, Mark. I mean, you covered a lot of things that Javad and I are pretty passionate about, which is because it was a culture conference, you know, talking about the human factor and how they worked. And I got to tell you, one of the key things he said, and I wrote it down on this wonderful little envelope here, and, and it kind of reminds me of, of, of this. And, and I really just love the way you said it. And it has to do with people. And you said, you don't have to be a cyber expert to do your part in cybersecurity. And, you know, that really resonated yeah. with me because a lot of people, they think, oh, who am I? I'm just an employee. We have a security team for that. And, and what we find over and over again is the, the poor people in security, they can only do so much. Um, and so we got to get people thinking about that. What do you think? No, definitely it's it's something we need to talk about. So I love how one of the topics you brought up was around stress now think about it like this you got a huge organization which has maybe got i don't know how many people are you know within like no before or even like my organization but let's say you've got an organization of ten thousand people you know that your cyber team is probably just it's a drop in the ocean in that number but the expectation is that they are safeguarding everything which doesn't make sense at all it's like how do you expect like 65 people, or maybe even 100, even if you say 150 or 200 people to safeguard 10,000 people. I mean, we've all watched 300, and you saw how that went. Although, a lot of some people, I hope. Um, you know, you have to realize that we need to empower people. Now, obviously, because cybersecurity, when we think of like, you know, it's where it came from, and we think of information security and all the like, right? It's still uncharted land like we still are looking at it like it's a side a side piece of organization you're like we have business and then we have security and business does its part and then security just plugs in that's how we've seen it whereas you realize it really needs to be meshed together because that's essentially part of the culture right so if you're going to talk about corporate culture we have to include cyber culture now think about it i like i'm i want to say that i'm really glad about the digital disruption that the pandemic has done because it's really opened the eyes to say that one everyone is digital you're working remotely how do we work safely um in that type of space now i can be an employee it doesn't matter which part of the organization and it's easy for me to click on links now that you know i'm not in the office i don't have someone telling me about a clean desk policy i don't have someone telling me that, oh, have you um, double-checked the, you know, information classification of, of the data that you're sending, right? So you're more likely going to have your guard a bit down, which means that there's a bigger increase of risk. We need to hope and literally pray that you do your part as the cyber team, and now we have to be on red alert. Anything happens. So it's, it's, it's something for me where it's like, as, the, as cyber experts and leaders, we actually need to really empower each and every individual. Let them look at it and let them see how they contribute. You don't have to be an expert, as I said. Is you you just need to feel like you're part of the solution, um, which it is. Each and every individual is part of the solution. It doesn't matter the the magnitude of the job you do. If you just report one um, suspicious email, which turns out to be malicious, guess what? When you have your your cyber intelligence teams analyzing this, they can already block it. You've actually saved 10,000 people. So just, just by you reporting, clicking that one button, making that difference. I think it's always assumed that 
in cyber because you know sometimes we're really horrible at communication. I won't lie. We want to say, do you have your firewalls up? We use all this nice jargon. I'll say nice jargon, which is weird because you can't really have nice and jargon at the same time. But we use these big words, which are true because they're there. You know, you want to say what's this thing? Sometimes I even forget. You know, you want to say S H A encryption and no one cares. <laughs> I don't care. I just yeah. I just want to do my job, right? And then you're telling them that in a non-humane way, hoping that they're going to do their part. Where if you just say that, look, think about it like underwear, okay? Then this is going to be a really funny um, example because it's just coming off the top of my head. So we hope this is going to go well. Underwear's so, coming off the top of your head. Okay. <laughs> If I, if I remove this, you'll see all the ideas. Trust me. So think about it like this. Telling the story to a person and saying, okay, your password, right? How often do you change your underwear? If you wear any. That's the first part. Um, you know, so if someone says they change their underwear every day, and they're like, well, think of your password in the same light. You don't want to wear the same underwear consistently all the time every day in every situation because that thing is going to start smelling that now the scary the scary part is mark <laughs> we we tell people to change their password about every 90 days are you advocating that people wear the same underwear for 90 days as kind of a reminder to to do that or, or you know yeah, that that is one place where this is an issue it, it, it really is so i think when we say it in practical sense maybe not the most realistic thing <laughs> but in the principle what we're trying to bring about is you don't want your password you want your password to sort of be like your underwear something that's consistently evolving something that's consistently changing so that no one knows that today javad is wearing them jockey underwears <laughs> again you really hey, that, that, to i told you that. i told you that in confidence before we started recording <laughs> Did I did I invade your privacy now? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but, but you really I, if we can. Yeah, yeah I, I really love this approach, and I I personally am a big fan of using some analogies to try and explain things, and uh, this is an area where I think as an industry we we have been quite poor in conveying the message of what we what we want. We we get so caught up in the technical issues that. We forget who our audience is and forget to use the language that they will understand. So sometimes, it, and the analogies will vary. If you're speaking to the end users, it's a different type of analogy you use. If you're speaking to the business execs, it's a different kind of analogy you use. Um, so um, I, I suppose in, in, in overall terms, um, are there any tips you, you can share that how do you create a good analogy or how do you communicate better? Um, wow. That's so I've always told myself, so, so just like, let, let me just put a little bit of highlight. So like with my identity, obviously, which has come together as Mark the African, it's about being able to create a space, right? But for you to create a space, you also need to understand your audience. Now, if you need to understand, that means you have to be able to engage. You have to be able to also listen. So it's obviously from a, a wide, if you're in a big organization, that's difficult. You can't reach 10,000 people that try to speak their language, right? So this is now where you definitely need to start developing a sense of intuition um, and being able to understand your audience and say, okay, if I'm speaking to, let's say, executives, 
essentially, what is it that executives generally would be talking about? They're talking about strategy. They're talking about advancing the business. They are, that is their, their nine to five or their midnight to midnight, depending on people who don't sleep. I see you there, Eric. Um, <laughs> so it's, 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 so you need to really take the time to understand your audience. And for me, it's, it's speaking stories based on what the need is every day as an exec. An exec is talking about, you know, the, the quarter plans. An exec is talking about revenue. An exec is talking about investment. An exec is talking about market share, right? And talking about digitization and in this day and age. So in that light, now you have to be able to say, how does this relate to you? That's the wrong way. You're drinking it the wrong way. And for me, it's that. That's what I try to do to start developing stories. Is if I think of an exec, I need to know the medium in which they generally talk about. And me talking about, if, if an exec says, how do we start reaching out to more customers? My next question would be, in the light of you reaching to more customers, how are you protecting them? I always love to ask questions more than just give a directive, because then you begin to allow them to think. Then you can begin to start creating the story. Um, I've found myself in situations where you get what we call the elevator pitch. You have two minutes with a person and you can't really tell them your whole story. It's easier to leave them with a question to get them thinking because then they can get back to you. So leave that thought. It's always just about leaving that thought, um, but something which relates to them. Um, but that's definitely a skill to learn. It's not something that you just wake up and are able to do. You really have to cultivate and want that relationship with people. And that's for me. It's I'm always about people. So in as much as cyber is my expertise, really where I lie is people. I think about people and cyber just seems to be an avenue which I resonate with so much. And it talks about, again, creating safe spaces for people. Um, yeah, and so storytelling is one of the best, best ways. Yeah, certainly. You know, and, and Mark, you know, you, you mentioned this <clears throat> about that. And, and a lot of us that are in security, we're technical people. Soft skills may not have necessarily been our strongest point, right? We don't take this job because we get to interface with people. I don't know people, very rarely do I see someone in technology that they took the job because, oh, great, I get to deal with the users every day, right? That's just not where we where our heads are. Um, it's not a bad thing, but it is something that we have to do. And, and years ago, I was on a panel on RSA um, where we talked about being the leader that that people need, right? And and bridging that soft skills gap to talk to leadership, especially like you just mentioned. But we also have to do it on the end user. We have to make sure it's relevant to them, that they understand why they're doing this. Because the, the user just wants to get their job done quickly and easily and move on with their stuff. They're thinking about it a completely different way. And even on a larger spectrum than this, we have to understand the organization as a whole and their culture. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna approach and train people in a Silicon Valley startup very differently than I will, let's say, uh, a law firm. You know, because it's just different cultures like that, and we have to be very aware of that if we want to be effective with what we're doing. So I like what you're saying, Javad. I know we've talked about that quite a bit. Yeah, we have, we have absolutely, and and I suppose with 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 Mark here, um, a, a question that um, uh, it comes to mind often is that when when Eric and I, we, me and you talk, we're talking from a very 
Western perspective of Europe or, or, or the US. Um, I, I'm sure there must be things that you see pushed as um, sort of like uh, American-led um, thought leadership that are, yes, hardly do Eric. Uh, but, but things like, so like NIST will come up with some standards and everything, or ISO will come up with some standards, which are very reasonable, very good, but maybe culturally, they might not be quite a fit in, in some areas. Are there, what, what sort of, what are those some areas which you think, you know, could either be changed or do you need to come up with something off your own or how do you manage that cultural gap? Yeah, now that, that is a very interesting question um, and very difficult as well to answer. I think, and this is just my opinion, is I've, I've, I've also had this debate of, you know, adopting um, maybe Eurocentric or, you know, a Western type of standard and then reinvent or reapplying it in Africa. It's quite different. Um, and I mean, one of the first, first, first things actually is just language. That's a very key thing. You know, there's a big assumption that the language that's used in these standards is understood. Now we need to, let's take a step back and think about human beings. How many times have we argued just of, because of misinterpretation or something? It's, it's so common. It's not like a, a difficult thing, but it happens. I mean, think about it. You could be, you know, with your partner and you said something and next thing it's a haywire. You're just like, that's not what I meant, though. And, you know, we, 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 we make this unconscious bias that every person understands the way we wrote something. Um, and that's where maybe we need to start changing the medium in which we deliver these messages. So even when you're talking about a standard it, within a culture, it still needs to resonate within that culture. So I'll give an example, like when we look at African cultures, it's it's very what authoritarian. So you've got a very big top-down approach. Um, you know, whoever is the leader is generally the person with the voice. What they say is generally law. Um, you know, even like, you know, households are built in that type of way. So, you know, you, you obviously now want to say, how do I still get into into this type of household, and now when we think of it like a business, you, some, you sometimes realize that businesses still apply the same way. But people receive that information very deeply. Some people are not a fan of just being told, go read a policy, are not a fan of just being told, adopt a standard. Some people want to have engagements, they want to have interactions. And one vital thing I've seen within Africa is, is storytelling. Um, when we look at the mediums of which knowledge has been passed on from generation to generation to generation, it's been through storytelling. You would see, I mean, you, you'd gather around a fire. We just didn't have the marshmallow though. You'd probably just have like, you know, <laughs> I was about to go too far. I'm like, oh, we probably have a wild animal there. You know, it's a little bit more exciting. So, you know, it's the, you, you would have, you know, the person who's eldest there who is imparting knowledge um, orally, and probably that's one of the things that we need to start start doing more often. I've realized that having conversations with individuals, which allows you to have that on-the-spot learning, um, starts allowing you to start understanding what is it that they don't get with the standard, what is it that they don't understand with this policy, and how can we turn a policy which is written in such great English, um, or whatever great language is there at that time, 
into what's relatable to them. And that's where there's such a big difference. And it's almost like, how do we now wide scale workshops um, with these standards, right? It's so, it's so difficult, but that's where we have to build obviously, uh, you know, cyber champions, you know, cause you cannot create, let's say you have a standard for the whole of Africa and you have one spokesperson to speak to over 300 million people, I don't think that's gonna work. But if you can get individuals within those areas who are immersed in that culture, immersed in how people um, relate, you pick that up. That's those are your early adopters. Like you know, when we talk about um, what is this, the law of diffusion of innovation, or the theory actually, it doesn't matter. Um, that's what you want to do. You don't want to try and mass spread it out because that never works. You look for those early people who are already interested in this. Yeah. And they become the people in your network who can send the message because you create that common definition and you just tell them that this common definition is what we've all agreed on. And then within your space, begin to put it according to your audience. That you has know, such a difference. Yeah. You know, we've seen that within organizations too. And it's one of the things that we kind of preach too is find those people that are naturally already thinking in that way. And use them as advocates within the organization. Plant them around, so then they're they're showing what to do, um, you know, through their efforts, and that that creates the peer kind of um, approval or acceptance, right? So nobody wants to be the first one to do something, and if you have somebody that doesn't have that mindset naturally, it's going to be very hard. But if you turn around and you have somebody already showing them, then they they feel like it's okay to do that. So. The other thing I think we need to look at um, and be aware of when it comes to this is the technologies. Like my understanding, everything, uh, like a lot of the things I've read and seen about Africa is things tend to be very mobile related as opposed to hardwired computers plugged into a network. A lot of mobiles are used. So the threats are a little bit different there, um, you know, and, and so we have to know what to do. Am, am I right there? Yeah, no, look, uh, definitely we are more mobile centric um, and obviously reasons behind that is, I mean, look, affordability. And the reality is not everyone can afford a laptop. Um, not everyone can afford a whole desktop. I mean, there's a whole lot of other issues within Africa um, that are there. And hence why, you know, mobile inception is so big. You have more people with, with handsets um, in, in Africa than you would have in some countries. And that's just because it's easier. We do a whole lot more with, with, with our phones. Um, you find that there's things around mobile money, um, mm -hmm. you know, so mobile money being something that you can do customer to customer immediately. It's a business to business. You are the business, someone is there. It's informal, but at the same time, it's helping build these microeconomies. So that's a different type of problem, obviously, which some yeah. standards are not going to be looking at. They're going yes. to be looking at it from a world perspective, but you're like, you can't blanket it. You really now need to see where is the real problem um, or, or what is the technology, in this case, as Eric just mentioned, what is the predominant technology that's being used and why is it being used? Because if you can understand why it's being used, it helps it even much better to advocate for the type of security you want to spot enabling. So if you realize that it is the reason why in Africa people are using mobile phones more is because one, um, access to just a basic internet, right? In comparison to, to data, so like Wi-Fi. So yeah. they're more on data and their data is used more for 
money-to-money -money transactions or do for social media. So voila, what do you need to start talking about? Stuff around secure social media uh, behavior. Stuff around secure banking behavior when it's on your mobile phone. Because that is what actually speaks to what they do versus just saying, um, you know, uh, work from home. And some people yeah. are like, I work wherever I go. Yes. Because yes. I, this is what I've got here. Yeah. Cool. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, yeah, it's something that we need to look at more, I want to say more intentionally. That is actually how we can really get ahead of the curve, even within Africa when it comes to security. Be more intentional about what problems we're trying to solve based on the technologies that we have got. Yeah, Javad, do you remember you and I talked? Uh, we we did a story, I think, about this, with some of the mobile phones coming uh, pre-infected with some things, um, and it was in use very much there, and it was basically doing ad feeding and using that um, that data, which you know here in the West, in a lot of places, we have unlimited data. We don't pay for it. We don't care. It's not a big deal. But when yeah. you're paying for your data and it's being used by something like that that's a much more significant deal. So it, it matters more in an area like that where it's gonna impact somebody, um, you know, per, per, possibly financially, as opposed to us where, you know, it's more of a commodity thing. So yeah. I, I think it's it's great hearing this, Mark. Um, uh, unfortunately, I think we're gonna have to wrap up here. Wait, pretty soon. wait, wait, no, not, not quite, not quite. Okay. We have a couple of minutes. Uh, so, so Mark, before we joined, uh, I asked you to recommend some books. Um, yeah. So these are the books you, you recommended. Uh, in, in, in five seconds or less on each book, why did you recommend it? Shucks. Animal Farm, I just love it. Animal Farm, okay, five seconds or less, damn, I'm done. Yeah. It had animals. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Start with why for me is more on a personal level of purpose and identity. The Art of Deception really was what got me into cyber. I'm still waiting for Kevin to actually um, accept me on LinkedIn, so you better get one of these first contacts. The subtle art of not giving, <clears throat> yeah, that one really talks, in as much as it's the, the title's abstract, it really talks about looking at the things that you really care about, so stop focusing on too many things. Transformational awareness, I love it, transformation security awareness, I love it because I'm actually using it now. Thank goodness, Perry Carpenter is actually, he's the one who allowed me to get that book, um, here in Africa and now it was so great. So I've been using it, I've been applying it and seeing the difference. Fantastic. And then we also asked you about people who you said we should follow and oh, there was... Definitely. So look, um, David McQueen, the McQueen's actually for me, amazing people. Um, David is a leadership coach and so is Madeline, but they are a power couple. And then um, Anna and Lisa literally Look, Lisa, I'm even in one of her books, by the way, that's just come out today, which is the Aries Origins of Cybermen. So check it out on Amazon um, and look for it and make a purchase. But Anna, Anna is such a beautiful soul, um, part of No Before, but started popcorn training, which was giving information on cyber, but in a more relatable way, which shows so much of how she was on the ground. And with Lisa, Lisa is another amazing person who I got to meet this year and even how she wants to be more cyber aware. She calls herself the cyber geek, girl geek, cyber girl geek, something like that, cyber geek girl, one of the two, but she'll be mad if she realizes that. And then the other two people are not in any way related, but Theo and, and Sylvester are two people from South Africa actually as well. Theo uh, Beloy is someone who started Batu um, Shoes, which has blown up. And the big thing about him is that he's not trying to be in the big spaces. 
he's putting shops where it's accessible to people who generally don't have access to big malls and bringing in that flavor of culture. And when you look at also Sylvester, Sylvester is in brand branding and he's about branding with intent. Um, also known as one of the guys like, you know, 30 under 30, like entrepreneurial. He's got that spirit of building people. And I just, I just love what he's doing out there. So I would recommend following these people, getting to hear what they talk about, getting to see the spaces that they're occupying because they really are authentic leaders in their spaces. Fantastic. Excellent. That's so good. Um, we've learned a great deal from you, Mark. Um, uh, hopefully our listeners and viewers will have as well. Uh, oh. We'd love to uh, have you back on the show again when Eric isn't pressed for time. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. We can just remove him, actually, you know. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, why didn't I think of that? Okay. Oh, so, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, Eric has been removed. Mark, thank you again very, very thank much for, for uh, gracing us with your presence and sharing your knowledge. You're most kind. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mark Shower. Um, this has been The Jerick Show. Follow us on jerickshow.podbean.com if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening to us on the podcast, then go to YouTube and type for The Jerick Show and listen to us again. Um, follow us on Twitter and social media. Follow me and Eric because we're needy. And also give our lovely guest Mark Shower a follow. So thank you very much and stay secure, my friends.